1: Hi, my name is Kristen. I'm the author of the book Five Lines of Code, and you're listening to the Agile Uprising podcast. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I am your host, Jay Hersko. Joined with me this wonderful evening, we have Mr. Jonathan Schneider. Howdy, howdy. And Mr. Mike Cadell. Howdy, y'all. Greetings, gentlemen. So the topic of this week's episode, we're doing something that's quasi unscripted. We're going to try something a little different. So the topic of this week is paired coaching. I threw this idea out in our Discord server. A bunch of people said, oh, that's an interesting concept. What do you mean? Let's talk about it. And so here we are. So for this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of paired agile coaching. What does it mean? How would it work? Does it right for you? Is it not right for you? Why don't we see more of it? Um, And everything in between. So let's start off with, uh, Mike brought up the interesting idea, uh, the question to lead off, which is, what is the definition of an agile coach? In the context of this conversation. So, what do you think, John? What's, what's your mental model of defining an agile coach walking in?
2: Oh, man. You're All right. I'm not going to use anything ambiguous for our audience, or it depends. So, let's just be really direct and just say a, a coach is a person that is going to be offering advice to bring a useful hint, help, or guidance to somebody in either a process or behavior that they're trying to change.
1: Perfect Mike, anything to add to that take away
0: Yes when I think of what is an agile coach, I lean back on the uh what do they call it the x wing model that mm-hmm. uh, the agile coaching institute and Lisa mm-hmm. adkinson folks created, and yeah, an agile coach, what John said and looking at it from different uh perspectives you know you as an as a as an agile coach, you may be teaching, you may be mentoring, you may be you yep. in a kind of traditional or professional coaching uh, perspective, or you could be facilitating. So that's, that's how I think of it. So somebody and doing it, doing those activities about things related to our ways of working, presumably ways of working that you might recognize as agile.
1: Okay. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that because I think you gentlemen summed up nicely. So now that we have defined the concept of an agile coach, how would we define the term pairing in this context? So I'm going to throw the first arrow. You guys tell me you react to it. When I brought it up in conversation, I was thinking of in in safe, in, dev, in the DevOps course, even XP, we talk about paired programming, we talk about paired work, right? And there's all these studies that show that productivity increases when you do some sort of paired activity. Um, I was thinking out loud and I said, you know, they, they, they usually, they basically uh, uh, circus artists trapeze, you know, they shoot us out of a cannon as coaches into a, into a team, into a training They say, go coach, go do your thing. And it's kind of vaguely defined. And uh, let's figure out, we're set up for failure more often than not. So my thought was, well, what if we did the whole paired work thing with coaches and instead of dropping one coach into a program, you drop two, because it typically, you, you know, you run the risk of either having too much coaching for not enough need or you peanut butter the coach all over everything both of those situations nobody ends up winning somebody ends up really pissed off and aggravated at the end of the day so i was thinking what if we what if we paired coaches and you almost two-headed monster it and that was my that was my initial thought and i'm gonna start with you mike when i throw out the term paired coaching did that match up to what you were imagining in your head uh,
0: close but not quite from the <clears throat> The perspective that you articulated about, you know, the which, which I love the you know the, the circus can parachute because <laughs> we've all lived that at times. Very recently, maybe. Um, when you said when I read paired coaching, what came to my mind was two things: some experiences I've had where I've been able, been privileged to pair with some really brilliant coaches and learn from them, and the other thing that came to mind was two brains, two. Um, two people focus on one problem or one client or one need. Okay. Much like you have impaired programming, You've got two brains focused on a, on a problem. And if you get more than
1: two, then maybe you're doing mob coaching. I don't know. That may be thing. (laughs) I remember reading somewhere that when you type, when you're typing, you're only using half of your brain. And I had some wise ass coworker say, well, Does that mean if I try and type in two keyboards at the same time, I'm not using any of my brain at all? And that was just <laughs> a whole, whole different conversation. So, John, what are your thoughts when you hear the term paired coaching in relation in relation to what, what I said and what Mike said?
2: Um, I mean, yes, my head did go there, but being the previous software engineer and techie person I am, I immediately just jumped into the whole what i learned from my technical skills is paired programming and whatnot. And then immediately I just jumped to how would that work with two coaches? And then it just got really interesting because I tried to say, like, start applying, well, this is the reasoning and tactics behind red, green refactor and doing that paired programming. So if we take that up a level and get rid of the technical processes that are related to that, how do we make that more agnostic for how a coach would do that? And then I'll save that secret sauce for when we get to that topic, but that was what was going through my head when I heard paired coaching. Cause I agree with you when, when a software engineer pairs with somebody else, most of the time it's problem solving. And then the code is just almost a means to an end at that point. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we have to build these functions. We and it's like 10, 15% of the work is actually coding and it's all problem solving and just spaghetti coding things. That's kind of how I'm going to view the coaching side of it too. But, and actually I might as well say the secret sauce now. So There's how, what, and why, if you had like a triple Venn diagram thing. So when you do driver navigator, the driver is trying to do the how and the what. What are we trying to do? And this is how we're going to do it. And then the navigator saying, well, yeah, this is what we got to do. Why are we doing it? And I feel like coaches could do the same thing. So somebody's got to figure out how are we going to coach? And the other person has to make sure the room is, or the problem is still, why are we doing that? I think that's still healthy. and I think that's interesting.
1: I never thought about it that way but that is an interesting way to look at it so let me let me start by asking have either of you ever been paired as a coach yes okay okay so let me start with you Mike what was your experience like uh, well first let's talk about the setup and then let's go to um how it turned out sure. so the setup was I was a wee little bitty lad coach <laughs> uh,
0: early in my uh, coaching experience and coaching career and uh, we were trying to this organization, we were trying to uh, accelerate our adoption of Agile mindset and Agile ways of working <clears throat> into other parts of the company. So the person who ran the Agile COE secured some funding to bring in some coaches from at the time it was Rally. And that was back when Rally had like the chisney of, uh, of Agile coaches. Mm-hmm. In kind of in their heyday, Um, so they brought in uh, three, three different agile coaches and they, you know, they had their kind of like their, their main thrust assignments, but part of their, their engagement was also to, to work with and pair with the, uh, the FTE coaches to help upskill them so that they would leave behind more competent people. So that was, that was kind of the setup. I've been coaching, you know, in, in coaching kind of situations for maybe a year. And um, on multiple occasions, I had the opportunity to pair with each of those three coaches and what it, it, it was uh, eerily similar to what John was describing, the, the how and the what and, and was, was the things I was concerned with. And they were um, bringing perspectives about why, why are you doing that? And it was equal parts paired and mentoring, so it was paired coaching, and they were also mentoring at the same time. And um, when we got where 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 we didn't take the pairing, you know, to its uh, logical end, was when it came to being in front of the people we were coaching. <clears throat> they kind of like you know kicked the birdie out of the nest here. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you've you figured this out. Um, uh, do this on your own and uh, fly back to the nest and tell me how it went. Um, and that was a confidence uh, building measure. And uh, paired with the three different folks on, on the, the kind of the coaching part. And in that group, work group, we also had a, pretty much a standing working agreement that anything we did, we did as a pair.
1: So okay, okay, writing.
0: yeah, you know, back in the days when we thought it was cool to write a playbook, we <laughs> wrote playbook things. We paired on those. If someone was trying to figure out how to reconstruct uh, a new uh, organization in Rally, we did that as a pair. So the, it was the intent was knowledge and skill transfer, and it uh, worked spectacularly.
1: Okay, awesome. Awesome. Uh, John, you,
2: any, any experience ever been paired with somebody as a coach? So we did some pairing that we called pairing, but it was actually closer to a little bit of what Mike was saying, where remember how I mentioned earlier what, what I thought of pairing? Well, our version that we were doing is more like the mentoring type of coaching. So it wasn't two coaches trying to align on one problem. It was a coach trying to uh, approach their, uh with a team or an individual and coach and then that coach would watch and observe that one or many coaches doing that and then basically coach the coach as a layer and they called that paired coaching so they could basically pair the coach. Um, I wouldn't call that pair coaching but that was like what mm. they called it, but there were times where um, and I'm going to say something that is not my own I, I'd get get I, I we stole it from much smarter people and coaches and I can't remember <laughs> their names but. They actually were the smart people that said, we have certain coaches that really understand what the problem is and all the frameworks and tooling and academia and knowledge around it, but we do not want them telling him how to do it. So we want them to go in and train, let them understand the history, the background, the frameworks that exist. And they called those basically the people that were explaining the why and what's possible. And then they actually had people with actually pragmatic experience. Like I've been in this industry or I've actually done this. And they would be like, all right, now that you know what's possible, and that's kind of how we did pair in a way with coaches. They were like, what coach actually understands how to do this with these people, but this person's better understanding the breadth of what's out there. There's the theory pair in that way.
1: So you had a theory guy and a, pra- and a practice guy. Basically.
2: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, in my current role, we have started to pair programming at the program level. So I'm at myself. I'm actually working with another coach and the way a uh, pair program, pair coaching, and the way we're handling it is, um we're meet, you know, we're we're meeting with the, the various people. It's a safe shop, quasi-safe shop. So we're meeting with the various people on the program side just to honestly get two different points of view on the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um the person I'm paired with, she's fantastic, but she's not at all like me. So our differing personalities end up with different POVs and situations. And and not only that, right? Not only the observational, but one of the things we have found that works well mm-hmm. for us is. We bounce ideas each, off each other all the time. Hey, I'm running into this. What do you think? How would you do it? Oh, well, I would do A, B, and C. Really? Because I was thinking M, N, and L because of this. And then and typically, like you said, you end up with a solution that's greater than the sum of its parts because you have two different inputs coming together. What do you got, Mike? Um, first, I want to um, call you out on
0: an obvious statement. There's nobody else like you, Jay.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I, and the fact that I don't, I don't scare this woman. She's great. God bless yeah. her. Is is definitely yeah. something. But uh, I'm
0: curious. In in your early days with with this paired coaching, have you encountered uh, confusion by, uh, with your coachee? Maybe uh, possibly hearing different messages, you know, unintentional as it may be, but from two coaches hearing two different
1: messages.
0: I get five coaches, five agile coaches in a room. You get 17
1: opinions. (laughs) Um, I don't think, I don't think we've had different observations, but I will tell you when we've had these meetings with like the, the head architect, the solution architect, or when we have meeting with the product manager, you know, we're both talking and we're both taking notes at the end when we compare notes, it's interesting to see what she picks up on versus what I pick up on. And that's where we put those things together, you know, I, that's that's why I threw this discord because I was you know I was excited because I think that there is truly an opportunity there because we weren't purposefully trying to be well you look from the left and I will look from the right we just ended up with different observations of the same situation which actually led to a then the the follow on meeting was a, a, a way more um, cohesive for the attendees because we had we took all the POVs into account when we made the presentation about what we what we think we should do go excuse me forward.
0: Yeah. And so in the, in the you, um, go ahead, John. Go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead, so Mike. In in the situation that I described uh, a, a bit ago, we took great care to not cause confusion to our, our client, our coachee, right? That, and that was one of the motivating factors behind having one person be the voice to the um, to the coachee. And um, I've also had, at that same company, had a a peer that uh, asked me a couple times to just come and sit in on a meeting and listen to something. And then he and I debriefed afterwards, and I gave him my observations and ideas. So it's not really pairing in the way that I uh, envision it, but it's more like, hey, man, I need another set of years in another perspective and another brain kind of along the lines of what right. you were saying jay and, and,
1: and that i think incredibly is incredibly valuable that's huge that we probably i guarantee you most of us and probably most of people listening have never even thought about that the opportunity of just saying hey john you're another scrum master can you sit in on my retro and just watch how things go and tell me what you're seeing right like it doesn't need to be just coaching right and the idea of pairing you know paired work we've proven that it works getting yeah. that to your point like getting that that Second set of eyes that doesn't come in with the same preconceived notions may really get you in a better place. Uh, but to your point about, like, who does the partner, business partner, sponsor, whoever talked to, um, in my instance, my part, my paired partner, she is the primary. We told them she is still the primary. She's the one you go directly to. We are working together because we want to give you a more holistic coaching experience. And the, the cut, the business was OK. it may, sounds good to us.
0: Yeah, it kind of. Uh, you, you triggered a, another recollection, Jay. That that same uh, uh, organization that I've been referring to. There was a period of time where within this one group we had I think four or five different scrum masters, and we would periodically just uh, rotate uh, retrospectives. So I would go and do uh, Stacy's team retrospective, and. Um, Lee would come and do my team retrospective and Stacy would go and do Lee's team retrospective. And um, once the team members, you kind of got over the shock. uh, It was really, really great feedback Mm -hmm. because the, the other, uh, other coach, other scrum masters, we we came back and we debriefed and they're like, Hey, here's what I saw. And you go, and I'm going like crud. That was Right in front of my face
1: right. for, for like two months and I didn't see it. What a dummy. <laughs> right, right. We, I have a, I'm have, on a team of coaches and we retro at uh, least every other sprint. And we always have, to your point, we always have someone else come in and run them. We get it. We call them the celebrity guest uh, retro yeah. facilitator because they always come in with a unique idea. It, 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 not only the, the improvement part of the retro, but the team building function when we're all doing it together and contributing and people come in with all sorts of zany ideas. You're right, Mike, that is, um, if there's one thing anybody listening to the show should take out of it is don't be afraid to ask one of your peers to sit in, to help, to observe, to give me feedback. Cause you know, they may pick up on something. You don't, you didn't catch before.
0: And But talk with your team first, make sure that members of your team. Right. Are, they're, they're Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, John, I'm going to start with you with this next one. Um, If you think, if you think of, I'm going to use the P word and Mike's mad, the Agile playbook, what are the type of things that you think are best suited for paired coaching interactions?
2: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Well, I have to start by saying the analogy to paired programming where maybe, and this is where it gets controversial, um, you don't have to pair on everything. So you have to be pragmatic about when you pair, and I'm going to correlate it back to paired programming. When is it best to pair? How big and hairy is it? How ambiguous is it? Is it net new? Have you done it before? Like those usually start to add into the factors of we should probably pair on this. Um, it's another API that just exposes data that we've done before. Okay, that maybe maybe we just code review it afterward. Which once again you still review and get together on it. So I still think it's healthy when you look at it. You know what what's the kind of things you want to look out for. Remember, not, pairing isn't for everybody and it is a culture shift when developers go through it. So I would believe that coaching is the same. Um, as much as we chuckle at this statement, but not all coaches like to be coached. And I think that's a funny thing to say, but like, most don't,
1: but that's a different, that's a different agile uprising after dark episode. You're not a coach if you're not willing to be
2: coached. Well, like if you actually legitimately went to a group of scrum masters coaches and, you know, let's say I'm going to pick on Mike, Mike's some, you know, executive, he has a group of PMO coaches and he's like, Hey, we're going to start pairing on these things. And that's a culture shock. Like that would be a shock to a lot of these people to go through that. And, oh, I have to listen to somebody else's opinions when I problem solve and coach. And that's different uh-huh. for people. They're not used to that. So I would argue that like you just have to be an open mind, be open to change, which sounds silly saying to a bunch of people who are change agents and servantly, but like it's a culture change from it, it would be a drastic mm-hmm. change. So I'll stay. That's my two cents on that.
1: Okay. Okay. What do you think, Mike?
2: Yeah. Um, uh-
0: Plus one hundred to what John just said, uh, makes uh, can't can't uh, take issue with anything. If I look back at the X-wing model and uh, use that as a, a lens to look at it for through uh, teaching, absolutely is a prime candidate for pairing, especially if you're doing. Uh, teaching via virtual methods, so which I, I've done a little bit of that lately, and oh man, having a <laughs> having a, a pair or three is uh, is life saving. Um, the uh, stances of professional coaching and mentoring, kind of to John's point, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah, the the because both of those stances rely even more heavily on trust and relationship and depending on your relationship with your co- with your client or coaching or whatever term you want to use it may be cool or it may not be cool and so that's where you have to read uh, you have to know your your partner or your 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 client and bring it, it might work well to bring in somebody for a specific discussion to bring another perspective but kind of along the the model that you described, Jay, a person there's one person who maintains the primary uh, relationship and the primary role. Um, facilitating, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, Caring, yeah. it's I I've, uh, venture almost uh, necessary. And um, you know, then if you look in the the mastery domains, there's obviously a good uh, opportunity for, for pairing there. But then I'd also kind of wrap around that uh, reinforcing John's point around, it's a big, hairy problem. As coaches, the problems that we tackle are human system problems. Mm -hmm. And I may observe a human system one way and somebody else may make different observations of that human system. So pairing with another person looking at the human system, the systemic view, so to speak, and then whatever the topic may be getting, taking that other, that second perspective or third perspective, and their observations of the the system and the, in the relationships and interactions in it, it is incredibly valuable. Okay. I, I spent two years as a solo coach and in uh the new engagement right now, I'm enjoying being in a group of, you know, 8, 10, 12 coaches because there are other people that I can
1: right, right. Like, get perspectives from. As, as, Basher, as Basher said in Ocean's Eleven, it's nice working with, it'll be nice working with proper, criminals proper again. again. So <laughs> let me ask you that same question, Mike, but the mirror image of it. What types of activities would you not think would be best suited for a paired type of, of interaction? Uh, I think
0: where uh, s- straightforward, well understood, kind of routine things like if you're you're doing uh, uh, teaching uh, basic uh, story pointing to a new Scrum team, uh, yeah, you're probably over investing to have uh, paired coaching there. Um, and then. I kind of alluded to this a bit earlier where you're, if, we, if I'm having a one-on-one or small group conversation where there's a high degree of trust needed to have the conversation that I need to have and that mm-hmm. trust main and, and the, the trust is still new or the there's uh, Tension around that conversation, that another person's presence may inhibit the the free flow of conversation or cause those people to kind of pull back a bit, or maybe maybe that causes me to be behave and show up differently. Right. Those are areas where I would I wouldn't say no,
2: but I'd think long and hard about
1: it. Right. Right. John, same question. What do you think?
2: I think Mike actually answered it pretty well. I mean, it's hard to expand upon that, except, I mean, all right, I'm going to get rid of the petty answers, like make sure you watch out for your budget and is it sensible and investment-wise, That's and which is actually an interesting topic, by the way, because that's the argument on the paired programming side. (laughs) And it's a BS argument. (laughs) Couldn't I get more throughput if I put them on? And honestly, I think we could arguably, I mean, I could see people saying, well, if I have two coaches, why would I pair them when I could expand them and get more done through So it's the same argument, right? You're gonna still have that. And it's a real argument in some cases because I think you I think all of us would agree. We just said that there are scenarios where you wouldn't probably recommend pairing. So the context of it matters. It's just not about dollars and cents, it's about the outcomes and the problems you're solving. That's why Mm -hmm. it gets confusing. But I think Mike hit the nail on the head where it's like, The moment it gets into more trust or emotional side of things, and it's very tailored to the people on where it might hit them a little emotionally or where trust is building, that's where you might not want to pair just because it gets emotionally awkward when you start to talk those things out openly with like two coaches. And I mean, how often do you hear about paired therapy and two therapists? Like it just seems very intimidating, right? So you don't want that. You want a like very enclosed targeted session with somebody.
1: I think he just came up with a business idea. We need to write that, that <laughs> business case. But <clears throat> to Mike's point about trust, right? If you're going to go into a conversation that you know is probably going to be tumultuous, it's going to get a little heated. Yeah. Um, you never, you know, it's like two on one. It's not a good, like, to Mike's point, I think he said it right. So if there's not that, that trust and that openness there, it can make someone who is not normally on their heels or not predisposed to get on their heels, get on their heels very quickly. And at that point, you've 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 lost the battle because you inadvertently created an, an emotional frame that you weren't target you weren't hoping for. You just kind of you
0: may you may decay trust that you've worked hard to build. You know, trust takes a long time to build and can be lost in an instant. Oh, to be I, I, John touched on something I just want to. Pop in a, a quick comment on, and that is the cost of paired coaching. You know, why would I pay for two when I could, you know, deploy this other coach? God, did I just say that? Um, <laughs> have this other coach work with a different group of people, and the uh, the answer to that, I believe, lies in you don't do it all the time. You know, it's not twenty four seven paired coaching. It's you know, things that are more straightforward. No, you don't have but you, so you bring a pair when you've got a complex problem that a second brain will help you uh, sort through more Mm -hmm. effectively. And uh, yeah, just coming off two days of teaching safe stuff, uh, cost
1: of delay, what's the cost of not solving this problem? Right, right, right. And I'm glad that John, John brought it up, right? The, the What about the cost aspect? Because that's typically anybody who's listening to this who is in a position of approving budget numbers. That's the first thing they're going to think of. You know, can you? Can I afford this? And I, kind of want to say, can you afford not to? Not to. You know, right? Like that's that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you have to do it smart, judiciously. Do it where it
0: makes sense, and don't do it where it doesn't make sense. And you're getting more bang for your buck. Yeah, John.
2: So this is where this is going to get into a very interesting topic that we won't get too much into because we'll dovetail too much. But um, if a company hires the, not just talents, but the best talent tries to get really good talent. This is talent that is not cheap. So when you, and I'm not talking about coaching, I'm talking about engineers, business analysts, product owners. good talents, not cheap. So whenever you have a coach that's trying to optimize these people, Their goal is to make sure you get the best out of that top tier talent that you're paying very well for to have outcomes done. So where I'm going with this is is top talent usually gets rid of a lot of the petty small problems where the only thing left are hard, complicated problems because you have top talent. So you need very good people to solve this, but very good people are still going to need help. And it goes back to exactly what you just said, Jay. What's the cost of delay and how good do you want the solution to be? Right to solve these problems that already talented people have not solved.
1: Right. So keep right. that in mind. Right. And I, <clears throat> I also think um, in a traditional organization, we, you, you always hear about that, and this is my unique niche, maybe, maybe somebody else has done it somewhere and I'm subconsciously stealing it, but uh, <laughs> you always hear about that 80-20, right? So 80% of your yeah. time should be spent on delivery, and then the extra 20% is spent on like the Google time, right? The personal development, that sort of thing. I am of the opinion that it should be 60-20-20. of your time should be spent on your role, right? Which is, I was hired to coach X. I was hired to pair coach on Y, right? I think 60% of your time goes to that. I think 20% of your time goes to your own personal development. But that leftover 20% of the time, I think that goes towards the development of your team or your organization. So for example, how many organizations have we all worked in? I know we've all worked in um, them where they have these big coaching Cohorts, right? 20, 30, sometimes 40 coaches, right? Think about if all 40 of those coaches took just 20% of their of their time, right? 20% of their time to work on the the gnarly, big hairy things that as a group you need to solve for, as what amounts to an ACOE or an ATO or whatever, right? The the idea of defining, um, defining, I hate to say standards, but defining suggested practices, right? Pairing on training, right? I think. If we had, if we all collaborate, like, cause even with the transformation, this goal is on a transformation, right? We run every transformation like a project, right? Wrong or indifferent. And it, with that, each thing is there's things you want to accomplish. Well, why would we have like, you know, a team of two, a team of two, a team of two trying to accomplish these things? Where if there's 40 of us, we say, okay, <clears throat> Uh, we need five people on this, six people on this, three people on that, nine people on that. Or I don't even know if that math works. You know what I mean? Like we should be dedicating part of our time to contribute to the overall maturity and development of our teams, not just ourselves and the people we're coaching, scrum mastering, product owning, et cetera. Um, I should probably turn this into like a training class and charge a lot of money for it because there's a lot of that going around these days. But anyway, just something to think about. Um, <clears throat> so last question for you, gents. Uh, there's a lot of people listening who may or may not have done Paired coaching, paired programming, any type of paired work. There's a lot of people who maybe are hearing us for this or the first thing and first time, and it's kind of kind of itching their ear. Right, they're kind of thinking maybe this is what I really need. Uh, if you had to give a suggestion, John, I'm gonna start with you. If you had to give a suggestion, almost like a heuristic to say paired coaching is right for you, if or paired coaching is right for you and your org when, how would you finish that statement?
2: Um, well that's a good one. Um. I think you you should be curious about it if you show up to your job or you go to your clients and you feel like um you're kind of just going through the motions you feel like um you know it's another day of coaching and it's like you're not really getting a lot of spark you're learning so like you l- l- read articles you do books you, it's nothing's clicking for you you need more human interaction parenting, like you need to really get with other people that see things differently would challenge your brain on maybe mundane things that they seem mundane to you but go to somebody else, they might have a different opinion. Um, I also think that if um, I still think also if you're having success and you see that teams are maybe becoming stagnant or aren't responding to your coaching very well, I think you mentioned earlier, like just changing up a person to do a retro as a guest star invigorating, those things are going to start to open your mind on these paired coachings and how you can use it. Cause we just gave a bunch of examples of what's possible. How would it really make sense for the audience is going to be you learning that through experience? But you know, a retro and having a star come that's a good, easy one to start with to just see how it goes.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Just check with your team first. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Right. Right. Thank
1: you, Mike. Right. Check with the the impacted party. Mike, same question. What would be your your cheat to say this is something I should look at, or maybe I might want to hem the other way?
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Um Four thoughts that come to mind kind of overlap a bit. What uh, what John said, because uh, I uh, spot on agree with John. Uh, four contexts that I think of: if you have a coach that is uh, needing develop to develop his or her skills in a certain area, that's a great opportunity to, to pair. Um, I was on the I was the beneficial recipient of that. It was it was literally life changing. Um, at at one of those coaches I paired with said to me, Mike, if you want to be successful in this job, you have to come to work every day, ready to be fired. <laughs> and that was brilliant. That, that just freed me from so much. So, so um, if you got co- coaches that would like to develop skills or muscles or, or capabilities in, in one or more areas, um, if, a, if as a coach or as the person who's uh, caring for that coach, You feel like that person needs um, to change something up; is getting kind of stale or in a rut. So, kind of like John was saying, Um, you have a situation that's either complex or chaotic. Having a second or or a third coach observe the dialogues and then uh, debrief with the person who's the primary. Uh, You you can bring incredible clarity and and, um, quicken the time to discerning a a path forward. And the the last idea that comes to mind is if the primary coach is emotionally involved in a situation and may be challenged to manage his or her emotions, and you need a, a, a perspective from somebody who's not emotionally involved. So those are the four areas that come to mind for me.
1: Perfect perfect that's that's fantastic i can't even add anything to that so i'm just going to wrap it up and take us home uh first of all i want to thank john and mike for taking the time this evening to sit in uh, on we of a john mike and myself i want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in once again if you like what you heard give us a review a rating on itunes on amazon on stitcher on spotify whatever it does help other people find us uh get in on the conversation again this spawn from our discord server we have a very 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 vibrant discord server posters coming from around the world we have a whole bunch of different conversations going simultaneously and really iron sharpens iron so if you want to develop your skills here's the best place to do it uh i want to thank uh krebs artist krebs and machine man records for providing our outro music uh with no royalties so maybe someday we can monetize on youtube and last but not least we are committed to always being free however we do have a patreon uh if that if you are so inclined i will throw in the show notes we do have a new tier where once a quarter we'll be sending you some swag Uh, it could be some stickers some magnets some keychains some pins who knows uh Maybe I'll even send you one of my extra cats. I got too many running around here. So if you get a box that makes noise, hey, it literally be with Schrodinger's horse cow cat. Is it alive? Is it not? Depends on where you are geographically. So once again, I want to thank Mike and John. And until next time, this is the Agile Uprising Podcast signing out.